So thanks for having us here tonight, and, um, and it's just great to be with Melkbus and to finally see you guys after a long while. So many people here are some of the really original guys that we walked with in the early days, the Jadans and uh, JJ and Sonia, you know, Dylan and, and others that have been around for many years. And it's uh, been so great seeing what God has done over the years. Uh, thank you so much. You guys are out of danger zone now. <laughs> uh, and uh, the Lord has been good. We've, yeah, we've been leading Durbanville Congregation for about 10 years. And uh, we handed it over end of July to a guy who's been walking and journeying alongside us for many years. And he's leading Durbanville now. And since then, we had 11 elders. We've planted about four elders leading congregations, Bonnie Vale, Durbanville Central, and now one's just, just left this weekend for Hermanus. And so um, been quite a lot of change over the years. We saw the church when we came there, about 100 people, about, about 400 now. It just exploded as God just did a work in Durbanville. It's such uh, a life happening in wherever God works and operates through. And then for the last four or five years, we've been on the road for 412. We, we're the regional coordinators. We sort of oversee about six of the nine provinces in South Africa. And so we go around a lot to the James and Jen and see them. And we ordained you guys in September, wasn't it? And up in Benoni. We go to Benoni every now and again just to go and visit our mag wheels, uh, see how they're doing. <laughs> so that's a copy of an old British joke. People used to say they go to Liverpool to visit their hubcaps. Um, so I've got a dry sense of humor. And I'm ADD, so I hope you do or hope you listen okay tonight. <laughs> And uh, yeah, tonight I want to talk about overcoming. Um, there was such a lovely presence of God here, and uh, yeah, you look like your grandfather. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> when I saw him just the other day, he's 80, 86, and he says to me, where do you want me to go? No, nah, nah, I'll go and plant a church, like anywhere, just let me go, you know, and, like, 86, and uh, lovely man. And um, yeah, so I really want to talk about overcoming in, in the Lord tonight, and Jenny reminded me to use my key illustration. Uh, Mark Oxley and I are on the same team. We drive Subarus. It's a Subaru key. And uh, old one. And, uh, you know, key unlocks something. It's specifically cut. This, this key will only work in my car. And if it's not cut properly, it'll only go a quarter of the way, half the way, or whatever, until it fits into all the tumblers and is able to turn and unlock and, and, and things that can happen in terms of uh, that key. And I believe God is giving us a key tonight into overcoming in some of the ways in our lives. Because I really believe, Melkbos, you called to go out. I had a vision of you guys during worship of standing back to back and uh, sending out people from amongst you, like a circle, and people just going out and sending and, and coming up from within and going out and going out. And it's a good, exciting going out, a sending off into areas that God's going to use you in. So always understand these times are great, but they're times of equipping. They're times of building the, the church up, of getting her ready for a purpose. We've got a purpose, guys. There's a purpose for our lives. We don't just come here to suck air, eat food, and just get through life and have a career. I worked in the marketplace 23 years. Now, sent to Cape Town. Uh, where's JJ? You are here somewhere? You want, there he is. JJ is the first guy I ever met in Josh Jen. I walked into Andrew's house uh, in the garden first uh, 23 years ago, and he was the first guy who came out and we said hi to me. And uh, I worked for a company called Total, 
the French Petroleum Company, and uh, they sent me to Cape Town to, for a year and a half, and then I got the letter still in my, in my office, and to go to Europe for two years, and then all around the factories in, in, in Europe, and then back to Durban, and to take over, obviously, all the factories in South Africa, and then God got us to Cape Town, and then tore up that plan, and said, no, I've got another plan for you, to earn a lot less money and drive a Golf 1 with Mori Biscuit tires and all that type of thing um, from an E-Class Mercedes. They always mock me about my E-Class Mercedes that I had. Um, but, you know, God's got a plan and a purpose, not about a career and a letter to, from Total, you know. It's saying, Lord, and not everyone's going to, that's my journey, it's not your journey, but you've got to find out what is your journey. Where does God want you to be most effective and most used by Him? And can He use you is the question you have to ask yourself. Can He use you? Um, I was just thinking about it while we were worshipping. I've been walking with the Lord over 41 years now. I got saved in my early 20s. And, um, and I realized that it's like a, life is full of paradoxes, which means there's two truths that seem to oppose each other. So the more, I, as I've got older, the Bible does talk about mature believers. Hebrews 5, uh, Galatians uh, 6. It says there are those, those mature amongst us, those who've learned how to handle truth. So there's that aspect to growing old and, and walking and being obedient to God. You don't become mature by getting old physically. You become mature by being obedient and walking and handling truth of God. So as much as I would consider myself quite mature in the Lord, the paradox is I feel I know nothing. I feel like a rookie. I feel like the more I've got to know God, the more I'm amazed at Him. I've just seen how awesome He is. And Lord, if I think I know anything, I know nothing. Um, so there's an aspect for this life. I'll be showing an aspect of maturity by the grace of God and by my yieldedness to him, and that applies to your lives as well, that God's light can shine out of us, that we can be used by him for his kingdom, for his glory. You ever thought about why do we worship? There's not much in, in uh, the New Testament about worship at all. It's like I found two scriptures once uh, about, just, about singing in psalms over each other. It doesn't give you much guidance in the, in the New Testament about how to run a meeting like this at all. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, a little bit about the gifts and a little bit here and there, but basically it doesn't speak a lot about how do we do this and, why, and, and having worship times during the, in the New Testament. They sang in prison, sure. Um, uh, but, you know, why do we worship God? I remember challenging my older brother after I got saved, you know, why don't you need to worship God? Am I, you know, a young Christian? And he said, why should I worship this egotistical God? What's his problem, you know? I was like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. How do I answer that question, you know? God, see, God didn't need us. Before we were created, he was quite content with himself. He didn't, like, you know, like tonight, he's desperate for an ego boost, so he came to Melkbos just to hear us worship him, and oh, I feel better now. Why do we worship? It's, a, it's something that God gives us to overcome, to break through. Don't you feel the presence of God here? Doesn't it something stir something in your faith? Doesn't it take on the heavenlies? It takes on the opponents against the kingdom of God? Doesn't it help us walk in the things of God more than when we went, before we came in here? It brings the presence of God. Is it just to have a presence of God and, hey, that was good. Yeah, that was good. Amazing. Yeah, thanks, Hannes. Well done. You know. Or is there a purpose in that? Because God is always purposeful. He's always going somewhere, doing something. And in that worship, in that relationship, we, we're breaking things open for reasons that we can go into. Not just to have a nice worship time. Oh, that was awesome. Oh, that was awesome. Well done. It's, it's something of God that he's trying to take us forward and advance in our own lives tonight. Why do you think there's demonic, there should be, often demonic um, occurrences during worship times? They can't stand the presence of God. They hate it. They have to, they normally get flushed out at that time. Often during worship, ah, someone will fall down and people start, and if you start getting weird thoughts and different things, understand there's probably something in you that God's wanting you to know about. 
It's rising up in your mind, coming to your forefront for you to address, deal with, and get breakthrough in. God is always on our side. He, he, he wants us to, to pass the test. He's rooting for you. I, I felt to bring an encouraging message tonight. And look at temptation versus testing. Because God does allow us to be tested. And He sees the process. He's aware of it. And then He even... Did you, get, did you get the scriptures, by the way? Can you put up for me... Um, uh, in fact, let's, let's first read John, 1 John 3, verse 8, right at the top. Why, one of the reasons... Because there are other reasons, but this is one of the main reasons the Bible highlights. It says, he who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. He came to destroy the devil's work, guys. To set us free from all aspects of captivity. Could be it in our mind, and our habits, and our things that we do, the way we live our lives. Whatever it is, God wants to keep taking you from more to more. When I, when, I come in, I come into, when I meet with someone for a coffee, uh, my first ever, I was telling Mike, Mike, where are you? Over there. I was telling Mike, he was the, when I went full-time in 2001, he's the first guy I ever took out for coffee, you know. And um, I was a rookie, and he was a rookie at being taken out for coffee. So it wasn't a very um, productive meeting. Um, and so I've learned now that I, when I sit there, that guy, sometimes I just have, I mean, let's not, not, everything shouldn't be about work, you know. Sometimes we there just enjoy each other. That's okay. God just enjoys us sometimes. He just really just enjoys us being in relationship with Him. But some, mostly when I, you know, I'm only going to see people very seldom. So I want to take them further. When I finish that coffee with that person, it's got to be built into their life, encourage them, help them to go further than when they first sat down. And tonight even, I hope that the Lord will use me through me. I want to be a, a conduit that God can work through to help you walk into more of Jesus. So that God can use you and you can shine His light. Andrew's been highlighting that we are called to shine for the kingdom. We are called to shine. And we don't want to be blocked conduits, you know, like a pipe, a block pipe that the Lord can't work through. So what are the keys? Is your key cut well? Is it cut well that God can actually work through your life? What are you still stumbling over? What are the things that are still holding you back? Your self-image, your self your, the way you see yourself, the way you perceive yourself, the way you understand that you're equipped and able to do. What is holding you back tonight from walking, walking for more in God? So 1 John, um, uh, sorry, Luke, let's go to Luke 4, 1 to 14. This is, now, always bear in mind that the Bible does say that, um, can you guys see if I step over here? Sorry if you can't. Jesus, the full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, As written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place, power, and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I will give you all the authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. I mean, he knew he was the Son of God, but for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Now he's getting description. Now he's getting desperate. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord 
your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. So we see there the Holy Spirit led him to, into a place of temptation. And he took him to a place knowing that he would pass. See, the, see the, Jesus wants you to pass the test. The devil wants you to fail the temptation. Big difference. So Jesus, he'll take you to a place where he knows that you can pass. He knows it's going to be tough. He knows it's going to be hard. He knows that. But he knows that he can bring, if you turn to him and walk in him and throw yourself on him, there are times when you're going to feel extremely weak and you're not going to be able to make it. At that time, he will bring you through and carry you through. And that we see that Jesus came out stronger after having gone through that temptation. So allow yourself to be tested. If you're going through a test, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You know, as Western Christians, we, are, we, we actually abhor the facts. And that's why all the, some of the false teachings have popped in, and, uh, such as Kingdom Now, which wants to usher in the fact that we can have the whole benefits of walking in Kingdom Now as opposed to one day in eternity, uh, in the fullness when we will be with Him and see Him face our resurrected bodies. We, okay, there's a, that's a whole teaching and another can be quite controversial, but we, we've got to try and wrestle these things through as Christians and understand that we can still be filled with the joy, filled with the peace of God in the midst of testing and trials and come through the other side, powering in God and being able to stand for Him. I've seen too many people not make it in my 41 years of walking with the Lord. I remember a friend of mine, his, his uh, wife died about mm, 10 years ago now, maybe uh, around about there. She was the most beautiful woman you've, uh, inside that you, and outside that you could ever imagine. Literally, he said at her memorial, she had good days and she had better days. That was her. She was a phenomenal person. And um, when, when she got cancer, and we tried to prepare him. I mean, I really believe in faith. I believe in healing. I've prayed for guys who are dying and they get healed, and guys who are deaf and got healed. So I seriously believe in God healing and really support that. We've seen it in the church. Um, but we, we just said, look, don't position yourself completely in the wrong place. You're standing in the wrong place right now. So you position yourself badly and not fully understand the paradox of Scripture and the truth that God gives us, you're going to get very, you can get very hurt in, in this world. And he, he was adamant that, no, by faith, she's been healed. She's going to be healed. She's going to be okay. And she died. And literally, when I went to see him, he, he got the Bible, and he threw it on the table, and says, a bunch of fairy tales. The Bible says, you know, all should be healed. And, 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 and you know, finger in my face, your wife hasn't died, and all these type of things. And it was a hard time to walk him through that. He's come back onto track, and he's, he's, he's back in, he was a leader in the church, and he's back in the, strong in the Lord again. It was a tough time and a tough trial that he had to go through in that place. And so we've got to understand that there, there is going to be hardship in this life. But take note, Jesus overcome this world. He has overcome it. It doesn't mean you're going to overcome in the physical, because when we get into eternity, we, look, we may not even look back. But let's say we do. We say, I can't believe I worried about that. I can't believe I believed that. And we're going to get that we're going to be surprised at sometimes how we, we got Scripture wrong and got understanding of God wrong and the temptations and the difficulties in this life. So temptation is not from God. The Bible's very clear about that. There's lots of Scripture. I'll just give one. Uh, James 1, um, 2 to 18. We won't read it just for the sake of time, but there's a lot of Scripture that says God does not tempt. God does not tempt. So if you've got a temptation that comes your way, it's not from God. It's it's, it's Definitely from the enemy. Would God lead you to that place? You have to go through it, yes. But the actual temptation 
will not be of God it, itself. Temptation is normally uh, to do with things in this life, uh, pertaining to this life. It's, it's uh, like we saw offered there. Uh, power, money, wealth, uh, all these things, authority, all these things were things that the devil could give. He's known as the prince of this world. And there's some things that he can offer and, and to us. So when people are doing well financially and getting money poured out on them, it does not necessarily is always from God. Okay? It could be. But uh, we can't say that's an indication of that God is blessing. Because actually God always says, you know, the pity the poor, the rich man. And it seems the Bible's very pro the poor man. And a little bit sometimes looks like God's anti the rich guy. And uh, so we've we got to be so careful of, of misunderstanding uh, what is blessing from God and what isn't. Um, testing is normally of the heart, of the seat of your will. What decision will you make in this time? And that is what God's looking at. Okay, you're going through it. You've been led in, you're in a test and you've been led into temptation. What will your response be in the center of your will? Your will is with like a T-junction. Go left or go right. Which way are you going to go? And all the time, is going to be, you're going to have a, the option of, okay, Lord, which way do I take? Which way do I go in this? Nobody will ever know if I don't pay my tax or if I just take a, make a cash deal and not give an invoice. And no one will ever know. And how many people have been offered that over the years? I have. You know, is this cash or, this, or do you want an invoice? Quite clearly, um, you know, if it's cash, I'll give you a cheaper price. If you want an invoice, I'm going to have to add a VAT on that. And as Christians, it's very tempting. Oh, I'm saving money for the kingdom, you know. And I can tithe more, and, you know, which we never really do in those instances. But, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar. Trust God for your income and for your, and just pay. And I want, I've often asked, you know, I want an invoice. And the guy's like, whoa, you know, you want an invoice? Like, oh. you know, and, and, but these are just little details. And in the details where God looks, I just remember that story. Um, recently now, we were, we, were, we were in George. And... Uh, and a guy came to me, what's his name again? Um, Achenbach, uh, Hein, Hein Achenbach, anybody know him? And I don't really know Hein that well. His brother, Rian, is an elder in City Bull, I think it is. And um, he said, I heard a story about you. And he told me the story, it was more than 20 years ago, because I'd forgotten it. We were on an outreach, and uh, I'm at a, at, a, at a combi. JJ, I don't know if you were there, I think somewhere. And we stopped at a garage, and the guys all got out to go to the toilet. And he said, uh, apparently, the, guys, the garage guy wanted two rand to go into his toilet. And so the one guy paid two rand, opened the door, and let everybody in. So when they got back, I said, guys, that wasn't cool what you just did. That guy, you didn't respect that guy. It's his garage. He asked you for two rand per person to clean and maintain his garage. It's a principal thing. You guys didn't do right there. You actually robbed the guy, to be honest. You know, two rand versus 100,000 rand stealing is stealing. And so just learn from it, move on, get on, off we go. And I forgot about it. And this guy said, because you did that, I can trust you. And because I can trust you, I'll trust anyone that you trust. I thought, yes, that's quite a statement to make, you know. And you just realize how people are watching, and, and God is watching in the detail of the things that you do in this life and how you conduct yourself and how, will you pass the test? Will you, will you go through the temptation? And, and these are stuff that re, 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 uh, re, pertains to this world. So be those who are faithful in the small. God, the Bible says we can trust you in the small things. God can trust you with the big things. So God's watching, and you think you're getting away with it, but you never get away with stuff with God, hey? He'll always bring you back around the mountain and say, no, you haven't dealt with this thing. Deal with it now. So you've got to live squeaky clean lives in this life, and you can only do it by the grace of God. 
and make good decisions, good choices, and even to your own detriment. We lost a whole house, uh, thinking, uh, about 20, 30 years ago now. Uh, we had a paid-off house, um, and uh, we had a business decision to make, and it was actually with the government department. They asked me to falsify the invoices, and, um, and we, it was during a tough time. Uh, quick story, my brother and father had gone to liquidation. They owed me a lot of money. They couldn't pay. And so this opportunity through this government was a way out. I could have made a lot of money from it. And we, I said, no, I can't falsify invoices. They said, but everyone knows about it. It's okay. And I said, it's not okay. And it would have saved my business. I would have been kept the house, all those things. We had to sell our house to pay off my brother's and father's debt. And we, had to, we came to Cape Town, age of 40. We had to start all over again and buy a house from, from scratch. And um, so God's watching what is the decision that you're going to make when you're tempted. And uh, will you pass the test? Will you go through the test so that you can overcome? You see, you've, you're a doorkeeper into your life. Those who are elders here are gatekeepers. Well, they're doorkeepers into their own lives, and they're gatekeepers into the church. So whatever they do will affect you. It's a biblical principle. The Old Testament, the Jews sat at the, the, at the gates and watched what came in to protect the city. And so likewise, in all your lives, you're, you've got a, you're in charge of that, gate, that door to your life. And whatever you open into your life will affect you. You can't get away from that. The, the, you will get affected. If, 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 if you're going to watch uh, pornography as a man, you're opening a gateway into your family. You're opening, if you're going to cheat and lie in any way, in any form in this life, you're opening a door into your own life and into your family. If you're a family person, you've got responsibility. It's headship and authority that God's given you. So some of you may have been, not been overcoming. You're wondering why. And the reason why is because you haven't been passing some of the, the tests that have come your way. And I believe tonight the Lord wants to cut that key. He wants to take that key a little bit further, to plug it in a little bit further, that He can turn and, you, and switch on what He wants to switch on in your life. God is working amazingly. He never stops working in us. He's, he's so attentive to us. He loves us so dearly. He's for us, not against us. And anything that He'll allow you to go through. Do you think He didn't love Jesus the Father? His only begotten son. And he allowed him to go through all of that for us. Hey? I mean, it was me. I would no way to my son. You're touching my son. I'm an old, you know, I'll die. I'll protect him. I've got granddaughters. Jenny knows. I want to just wrap them in cotton wool and hide them away from the world, you know. I, I, seriously. It's hard to think that they're going to get, get a, you know, the they just started school now. That people can say horrible things to them and be nasty to them, and they're going to get hurt and come home crying, which they have done sometime. You know, you'll, you'll go down and just beat that little kid up, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's why I granddaughter. Um, you know, you, you just, but you've got to understand my, old, my older son, he's wise. He says, no, they've got to go through it. You know, it's part of life. We'll do the best we can to protect and help. But those are some of the stuff that we've got to go through. If you don't go through, you won't grow. I've got cuts and bruises all over my life, but they brought health. They've brought life. Some of them are just stupid things I've done, and I had to learn the hard way because it's hard to go through life without making mistakes. And some of you are perfectionists, and you've got to let that go. I was. I want everything to be perfect, everything to be right. If it wasn't right, I was so, I'll go into depression and get disappointed in myself and disappointed in God and everybody. And I just realized I've got to let that perfection go. I'm not perfect. Jesus is perfect. I've got the perfect one living in me who's daily sorting me out and training me till the day I go home to be with the Lord. I want to keep changing. I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning about Him and getting to know Him better. I'm going to, can you jump around for me? Um, we're going to jump down a little bit. 
Jump, jump. Um, <laughs> there we go. They, they train them well here. Oh. <laughs> oh, you failed that part. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go to Ezekiel 11, 19 and 20. And this is what God's looking for us to have an undivided heart. I'll put in, in them an undivided heart, and I'll put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. And I believe tonight God wants us to have undivided hearts. That he wants to examine, like I feel like there's like a, a heat beam that's going to come onto our hearts tonight to examine. Are you fully mine? Because God's looking for your heart. You know, he's got not your body. He wants your heart. Is your heart fully his? Everything. And often we fool ourselves. I'm not, I've done that. To, I said, Lord, now you've got all of me, you know. And, and then I realized, well, there's little areas that I've kept hidden even from me. I mean, God could see it a mile away, but I'm pretending, you know. We, it's crazy how we think we can fool God. But uh, God's looking for your heart tonight, absolutely undivided. There's nothing in this world that would take your heart away from Him and from being totally focused on Him and His kingdom. God wants us to be overcomers. We've got an enemy who's vicious. He doesn't play clean. He plays very dirty. And he won't have a peace agreement with you. You know, in the Second World War, 1939, Neville Chamberlain was leading Britain. He went over to see Adolf Hitler. And he came back and he waved a document. Him and Hitler had signed, you know, peace in our time. Peace in our time. And everyone, yeah, well done, yeah. You know, peace in our time. And then the Second World War broke out, you know. And... Um, so the devil, you can have agreements, peace in our time. Okay, I'll leave you alone if you leave me alone. It doesn't work like that. He's always going at you. He's always finding a way. But the good news is, we read in Job 1, he cannot touch you unless God allows it. Understand that God is in control of everything. The devil is working in, in uh, uh, delegated power. He's a created being. God is created. The devil is not. The devil works with a, a menu, like a spur menu. I think they've had the same menu for like 100 years, you know. And, and the devil works the same way. He's been around a long time. He's not stupid. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how to bring you down. He knows how to, he's seen what happened in the past. He knows what you not, haven't brought into the light. And he's waiting for that moment when he can. Like there's that big church in Cape Town about 15 years ago. They had a massive scandal. It's on the front page. If you Google them, you, you better come up the front page of the Cape Argus. Where twice and that the leader of this big significant church in Cape Town, which I think probably was the church that God was really using to impact Cape Town, very charismatic, gifted leader. But people who knew him knew they said he, had, you know, he was untouchable. Uh, he wouldn't take any input from anyone. He wouldn't wouldn't be accountable to anybody. He's, he looked at these pastors that he said, "How many people have you got into your church? Oh, 200. I've got 5,000, 6,000. When you're a bit bigger, then you can speak into my life." You know, and twice he committed sexual. Um, immorality with women. And uh, the second time was a big one where he actually got sick. He went to America. The people had prophetic dreams about him went and, and it came out. And that church has never walked in what it's called to walk in. And one of the pastors actually joined us in our congregation. And he said when that guy committed sexual immorality, adultery, he says 20 of us committed sexual immorality and adultery. 20 of us. Because he opened a door into the church. The devil said, coming through. And uh, he said, this guy didn't deal with his issues from years ago. 
So the devil hears the prophetic words over our lives when we're younger. You know, you're going to take nations, stand for governments and kings and all that type of thing. And devil, yeah, okay, noted. I mean, you knew about Jesus. You knew about it. Uh, we've seen it all through when he was born. Um, and uh, the devil said, oh, wait, I know this works. If I take you out now, if I expose you that you've got a, this issue in your life, I'll affect your home group, you know, community, 10, 15 people. I'll wait. I can see the call on your life. It's obvious. And wait till the guy's leading 5,000. Okay, let's light the fuse. I know his weaknesses. He hasn't dealt with it. Here we go. Dish. Whole church. Peoples. We had people joining us hurt and broken and bruised from that. So there's some ways that God gives us that we can not have to go through this and to fight our way through it and to find the key that unlocks every one of our lives. These are some of the things that I want to look at just quickly as we come in to landing. How to get free and walk free. Um, stay in the will of God. Jesus said, remain in me. Stay, number one, there's four points I'm going to give. Stay in the will of God. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Abide in me. There's, a, there's an abiding. There's a finding Jesus and going to him on a regular basis. Say, Lord, guide me. Speak to me, Lord. And, um, and, I'll, and I'll mention another way that we can actually be, help us in this area of staying in the will of God. There's been in the will of God just the Word. You know, the Word's pretty straightforward and applies to all of us. And how do, how do we live our lives? Measure your life against the truth, the Word of God all the time, not against your emotions. And, and let the truth wash over you, let it turn you, transform you, renew your minds. And, and the power of God is watching over the Word to see it come to life. The second one is set boundaries. In other words, decide in your heart. How are you going to live your life from the beginning? Don't wait until you're in temptation. It's too late. It's too late. You're, the door, you're going to go down, most probably. But if you decide up front, this is how I'm going to conduct myself. This is how I'm going to react if this comes my way. If I'm going to get tempted in bribery or corruption or anything or sexual morality, or, um, this is how my heart is for married 40 years in April next year. And I was a very unfaithful person before I got saved. Um, I decided in my heart I was going to commit adultery just because I thought it was a cool thing to do. And um, as a young man, you have these doff thoughts. Um, and, uh, you know, so when I got married, I said, Lord, this is too precious. My relationship with you is so precious. I can never, I've never understood backsliding. Never understood it. How can I ever walk away from God? How? How? I'd rather cut off all my arms, my legs, everything, but lose him. I can't do a moment without him, without his, just knowing him and walking with him. And from an overflow of that knowledge and that relationship, I can love my wife. I'm still probably not a great husband, but I'm a better one than I would have been if I didn't know Jesus. <laughs> and I had to learn how to be a husband, how to be a father, and all these things. Lord, how do I do this? I had to watch people in the church. How do they do it? Look at that guy, there, his wife. Look at the way he speaks. Even, you know, what gets in the way, I'm sorry, digressing a wee bit um, in terms of, you know, my personality got in the way of uh, God using me. Because we saw God raising us up and the reason I'm in leadership is because everybody else isn't. They wouldn't be there when, when, when God needed them. A very good friend of mine uh, came to Cape Town a few years ago and a and, uh, most gifted man. If he walked in here, he'd dominate this room. He had such a presence and a gift on his life. See, God distributes gifts as he wills. And uh, this guy's Good and he's a nice person. He, I've no, I baptized him in 1982, I think it was. Um, his son and my son had shared first birthdays together back in 1983, you know. And so I've known him all the, many years. The point, the point is, and his wife, fantastic lady. And 
And he was an eldership in our last church up in Durban. And he came to Cape Town a good few years ago now, almost about 10 years ago also, and um, about eight years ago. And, and he said, I'm getting divorced. I'm like, why? No, just because we drifted apart. You know, this is, having worked on this marriage and it's... I said, but no, man. This is, I'm, I'm biblical and I really gave it to him, you know, because this is like hurting what God is all about. And I said, you should be doing what I'm doing. You're far better at this than I am. I'm in here because guys like you won't step up to the plate and you won't present your lives undivided to Jesus and die to self. You know, that's the reason I'm in leadership. And then, the re- then I realized, okay, I'm in leadership. So then, Lord, I'm going to have to get over myself because, I mean, JJ will remember me. I was very shy. Um, when I first preached the first year of Josh Jen, uh, Andrew went away somewhere. One of the guys walked up and shook my hand and said, oh, thank God for Andrew that, he, you know, um, <laughs> thank you. Great. I'll pray for you for the gift of encouragement. Um, and, and the Lord just, you know, I realize I'm introvert. Jenny and I are both introverts. And I said, this is in the way of the kingdom that I've got to change. and I've got to get over this. And I've got to be able to step forward and be available. I'll never be a, a Will Murray. Um, I'll never have that type of gifting and personality. He's like a I'm saying I'm putting in the present tense because he's still with the Lord. He's, he's alive, more alive than ever, as we know. I met with him a, few, a week before he left, went overseas, before he died. Um, but we had a lady, in our, we still got a lady in our congregation in Durbanville. And uh, during a leaders' meeting, we, got about, we had about as many leaders as you guys have got here. And I uh, said, hey, won't, Anri, won't you give her a feedback on the, the axe fund, you know, the pantry? And she went bright red. I mean, seriously red. She just froze. She couldn't move. And after, I had to quickly move on to the next person. And then later I went to her and said, I'm so sorry, I apologize. She said, no, do that again. I've got to break my fear of man. I cannot, God can't use me if I want to do that. That's going to be my response. And today she'll get up and speak in front of crowds, you know. So somehow that came from setting boundaries. Yes. So... Um, yeah, so set boundaries in your life. Decide up front how you're going to conduct your life. And today, tonight even, set the boundary of undivided heart. Has God got your heart? Be accountable, number three, one we talk about a lot. Uh, be accountable. Does someone know you? And every year we'd go away as elders and we'd look, go through the whole Durmville list of people. Every single name, I want to know that someone knows them and is walking with them and doing life with them. If not, why not, you know? Does someone know you? Do they know how you're doing? I hate hearing when people are lowly in a crowd. You sometimes get people saying, no, I'm actually lonely. I'm in a home group. I'm in a church. But our church, and they're lonely. That shouldn't be. You know, we should be looking out and drawing in those, those who are struggling, those who, who haven't got friends, training them sometimes how to be a friend. The modern generation don't know how to be friends. It's getting worse. Loneliness used to be an old person's problem. Now it's becoming young because of technology. Guys will sit in their rooms and just play on, on, you know, on media and stuff. And so loneliness is very prevalent in the Western society. And so be accountable. Someone, everyone sitting here tonight, someone should know about you and how you're doing. And don't wait for them to phone you. Phone them. Say, I wanted to sit down and tell you about how I'm doing. It doesn't have to always be a leader, but find someone who's mature who could lead you into more. And the fourth one is know your enemy. Know your enemy. We've got an enemy. I don't want to elevate him or put him up on a pedestal in any form, but it's the reality. If you ignore him and pretend he doesn't exist, you're going to fall short. Um, I was involved in a, in a, 
in a very big operation and during military in a military operation into another country many years ago, 40 years ago. And um, when we arrived at the operation, I was part of um, Air Force, and we were told uh, our enemy would be coming, and they've tried a couple of times. They're coming up with, with uh, MiG 21s, which is a fighter aircraft. Um, and uh, so understand we can only spot them seven minutes from the base. So we will have two fighter planes on standby all the time. So for two weeks while the operation was taking place, two of our fighter planes were on the runway all the time, plugged in, air-to-air -air missiles, pilots sitting, and every two hours the pilots would change, new pilots would get into the planes. And now and again they'd have to scramble, they'd get 45 seconds, they had to get in the air. We had to pick up our enemy and respond and, and be ready for them. And likewise in the kingdom, you've got to pick up that, that your ever enemy, the Bible says, is prowling around seeking whom he may devour. So he's doing it right now. Right now he's doing it, looking. Who can I devour? Who can I get down? Looking. And so let's not, we don't panic and fear that. We don't go into a state of fear and panic over that. But just, it must be a reality and awareness that this is what's happening. And uh, God is for you. He wants you to do well. And I'm talking about the business. I don't think business and things like that. He wants you to do well in representing him and living for him and just glowing in for him and light shining out through your, through your life into a lost and dying world. And um, so let's, let's be those who really open up our God. Let's be fighters as well. We've got to be fighters. We've got to be those who, who get knocked down and get up again. You know, a year ago, today, a year ago, exactly the, on the 12th of December, I felt COVID hit me. Wham. I just felt it hit me. Like, just like physically felt it. I then went, long story short, went, deteriorated very badly, ended up in ICU. They said, say goodbye to your family, all that type of thing. And I came out in January this year, and about by March, I'd, I was living pretty normal and uh, totaled for that. And then, I really, it was amazing. I think it was a miracle of God. And, uh, and then, just short of two weeks ago, on a Monday, not last Monday, the Monday before, um, where are we? Not last, yeah, Monday before, I suddenly started, I, when I get sick, I get it's very clear. And uh, suddenly started feeling strange. And went to see a doctor, and he, a doctor, and he said, you've got high blood pressure. I said, well, I'm flying to Joburg tomorrow. You think it's okay? He said, oh, it's okay. So it wasn't so okay. Um, got on the plane, and um, yeah, things went bad. I, I was bringing oxygen, and said they even had a defibrillator on the, next to me on the chair. And afterwards, you know, stopped the plane, and they, they said, nobody get off, paramedics are coming on, and all that type of thing. And yeah, so it was just something that happened. And, um, but then that weekend, I said, we powered on. And we went to see the doctor afterwards in, in the church. Actually, a guy ordained into eldership on the Sunday. And uh, so you better do a good job, Bill, because I'm ordaining you on Sunday. Um, <laughs> so um, and we saw guys. And, and before I got up to preach on that Sunday morning, I was feeling so. I thought, I'm gonna, guys came to pray for me. I thought, if I get up, I'm going to fall over. And uh, I got up, and the anointing just came of God. And I've just learned to fight through things. You know, there's wisdom. I mean, don't be silly and these things. But there's times when you understand the enemy is attacking. He's attacking us. You know, people were praying for me in the beginning of the year. Um, it was sort of a close call, so to speak. And um, I seriously believe doctors did great, but I think prayer did even better. And one of the guys that prayed for me was a young lad. He's turning 17 this week. Joshua Funamova, his dad died in 2013. He was an elder in our church. He was a, it's all our worship in our church. He was a Stormers rugby player, front run player, and he, that type of thing. Massive man. Very close friend of mine. I was with, the night, with him on the night that he died in, in 
January thir uh, 2013. And he's, I said to him when he died, Mona, we'll raise your boys. Um, they were eight and six at the time. And I'm very, I'm very close to Josh. He's turning 17 now. And he, after I came out of hospital beginning of this year, he phoned me and said, Uncle Russell, I cried. I beg God for your life. And I believe about two months ago, I got an insight into that. And I feel the Lord say, that boy's prayers pulled you through. I got older and I said, Josh, I want you to know. Eternity will tell whether I heard God right or not. And I think your prayer is why I'm alive today and still here. Well done, boy. You fought for me. And so, folks, we're in a fight. Not just for our physical lives. When I was lying in ICU and they said, you know, say cheers to your family. I said, okay, I made right with God. And I said, Lord, am I right with you? And I felt clear conscience. I felt at peace with the Lord. And uh, so then I started just lifting my arms and worshipping him. And then there were two ladies on the other side of me. I felt to pray for them and the people in the ward. They were all in a coma. I said, Lord, touch these people, not for their physical lives. Because you can heal them physically. But Lord, I pray for their souls that they might know you. Because both ladies on the other side of me died. They were younger than me. Um, and it was, you just realize we're at war, folks. We're at war. And if you don't, if you're going to be asleep at this hour, you'll miss what God is doing. He wants to do through his church. And it's not keep people alive physically, physically long. It's that his church will glow and fight and be fighters in the spirit. If Milk Boss needs you, it needs you. It needs you to stand for Jesus. It needs you to live for Jesus. It needs you to overcome for Jesus so that people can see your lives and say, I want what you've got. What have you got? My first salvation was my best friend. He was a surfer dude like all you cool guys, yeah? Um, and we were walking down the street. I've been saved about a couple of weeks. And he got back to my house and, and he said, something flowing out of you, what is it? I said, I must, must be the Holy Spirit, you know? I, wasn't learning all, I didn't know anything about church. I was learning all these he said, once I do, I said, we've got to give your life to Jesus. He said, okay, let's do that. We got on, on my, our knees next to my bed, and he gave his life to Jesus. There's something in you that the devil's scared about. He's scared of you, man. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You, wherever you go, the presence of God goes. I'm not a, I literally am not scared of any building that's used by some strange religion or whatever. You know, don't go there. The demons are worshipped in there. Who cares? They, they're the ones who are going to be scared because I carry the presence of God with me. I've got Jesus, the Holy Spirit, living in me. You know, I'm born again. Those things tremble at the name of Jesus. And the Christians have been living with their heads down for too long, haven't been overcoming. And uh, the devil will get you so caught up in just getting through COVID and just getting through financial difficulties. And hey, the business is struggling. And I ran my own business for seven years. I know the word cash flow. Um, two words, actually. But. Um, <laughs> And, but guys, keep your focus on the main thing. When you're in eternity, you don't care about cash flow. You, know, you don't care about paying VAT and all that. I know these are very real things, but let's, to, tonight, I believe God's saying, Malkbos, don't have divided hearts. Give me your heart tonight. Give me your heart. Let's stand, folks. Father, I pray for your precious church, your bride, as she stands here tonight, part of your bride, representing you, pray that every life here would be one that would overcome. First in your, our own lives, Lord. How can we help others if we can't get breakthrough ourselves? But Lord, tonight I pray that you shine your light on every single heart, every mind. And let it be a challenging moment, Lord, of, Lord, am I totally for you? Am I really overcoming? Do you have the fullness of my heart? Like that William Booth, the guy who started the Salvation Army. As an old man, they said to him, William Booth, how come your life is counted so much for God? 
He said, because God got all of William Booth. Tonight has God got all of you. And be real now. Don't, don't, you know, you can bluff yourself. You'll just go around the mountain. Be real. Has God got all of you? Are you really overcoming in every single area? Not walking in perfection. I understand there's stuff that you're going to struggle with. But are there things that right now that God's got all of your heart? Has he got all the fullness of your heart tonight? I just want to throw it out there. I just want to turn up and turn, break up the ground and make us rethink. Lord, how am I serving you? How am I following you? Is this real, Lord? Paul says, find out what pleases God. I know we, you love us, Lord. You dearly, love us so dearly. Oh, we know that. And we will respond from that place. Tonight, of a God, if we run to him, is waiting for us with arms wide open to receive us and to take us into more. Even though we go through some valleys of death and some valleys that don't make sense, Lord, we, we hang on to you. We hold your hand and we want to go through those times. In fact, if there's anyone here right now who feel that you're in a bit of a valley, you feel like you are going through a bit of a, a bumpy time in your life and things are not looking good in different areas. It could be finance, it could be health, it could be relationships, it could be anything. These are the things God is attentive to. Why don't you just raise your hand so we can pray for you? Anyone want to receive prayer right now? The things that you're going through in this life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Folks, be hungry. Be hungry. Copy diem. Seize the day today. Don't wait for tomorrow. And just grab. Be hungry for God tonight. Hungry for Him. Hungry for Him. Thank you, Jesus. Those who raise their hands, I'm just going to pray for you. This is all just lift up our hands as an act of surrender. It's a beautiful act of surrender. Father, thank you for those who raised hands, and um, we're just standing with them right now as we know that, Lord, we're journeying through this life with them and alongside them. And I pray, Father, you come and touch every person at their place where they're at. They'll learn to overcome, learn to push through, learn to fight, learn to identify. Learn to be accountable. All these things, God. But most of all, Lord, I pray you encourage them tonight to lift up their heads, look down the road, and see, Lord, that you are walking with them. That you are walking with them, Lord. They're not alone. Come fill us as your people tonight, Lord. Let us grow closer in our, our love for you, and our deeper in our love for you, and our intimacy with you. Oh, precious Jesus. Precious, precious Jesus. We pray this right now. Thank you, Lord. Put your hands down. If there's anyone here tonight who, who doesn't know the Lord Jesus, I want to just go for opportunity as well. If you want to surrender to this relationship, this beautiful God who came to die for our sins, so we, our sins would be covered. There's a purpose of the cross, that Jesus came to die for us, to restore us to the Father, to bring us into a relationship with him. If anyone here, if you died tonight, you would not be sure that you would spend eternity with the Lord Jesus. Why don't you just put your hand up and wave it at me as well. Is there anyone like that? Always want to give opportunity for people to 
come into the kingdom, you can never be 100% sure. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you guys, man. So wonderful being with you. And uh, I hope the kingdom has advanced in some form tonight in all our lives. And as God has come and taken us deeper into him.